Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. You're tuned in to Tapped Out. Hosted by Brendan Tobin and Sean Labine, Only on the BetQL Network. All right, I hope you're ready to tap out here on the BetQL Network. Maybe you're checking us out on YouTube or the Odyssey app. We appreciate it. However you got us, that's Brendan Tobin. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine. As always, producer Jake Noaker behind the glass. Let's go ahead and weigh in off the top. Canelo Alvarez took out Jermel Charlo last Saturday night. No big surprise. He was a huge favorite. Maybe some people thought Charlo could pull off the upset based on how Canelo looked against Bevel. He looked a whole lot better than he did that night. The question now is, what's next for Canelo Alvarez? It's a good question. Uh, you know, he didn't lean or he's not calling anybody out. He's not setting anything up as far as him and Terrence Crawford is concerned. I think that is definitely the natural place everyone wants to go. I do wonder, you know, if Terrence watches what Canelo did and wonders if the weight class jump is a little bit too much because he did just see Charlo try and go up two weight classes to beat Canelo. And I mean, it really wasn't competitive at all. Now, I do no. think that bud and jamel are on different planets as far as boxing skill is concerned but it is still a big jump size wise so you do wonder if he uh may want to go to a, a 154 first and then get to a canal fight which is probably the path it's going to go i know that he was very bullish uh when he was on like rogan's podcast and saying like oh i want to do three rate classes immediately but it's a big jump if i had to guess uh he's going to take on the winner of david benavidez versus um boo boo andrade and I would guess he's only going to take on the winner if it's Benavidez because I, I just think that if Demetrius Andrade wins that, that's a stylistic nightmare for him. He's not that well-known, uh, even though he's been an undefeated middleweight champion. So I I would have to handicap it probably as we'll see what happens. If, De- if David Benavidez wins, that's likely who he'll face in the spring. Obviously, Canelo looked great. How much of that was him? How much of that was Charlo trying to move up a couple of weight classes? I think it's a little bit of both. I think they both fed into each other. I think Charlo was a little bit more gun shy. Uh, you definitely you didn't see a guy who, you know, can hit and and put an impact on his opponents. He got dropped in the seventh round. Um, so I, I definitely think that him coming up the weight class and Canelo bullying him the way he did, uh, making him so defensive. I don't know if the lights were a little bit too bright for him. I was a little surprised by that because. Uh, you know, he's he's got a very good resume for, uh, you know, for most guys when they get into take on Canelo, but it is Canelo. It's a different level. Everybody will tell you that. Um, and if you don't have that boxing stuff to lean on, if you let Canelo bully you, it's uh, it's a tough go. It could be a tough night. You really have to want to dictate that range and frustrate him on the back foot. And uh, he wasn't able to do that at all. BT, let's stay in the square circle because we're now. I guess in the month, October 28th, of Nganu versus Tyson Fury. The odds are out, depending on where you bet. About minus 1,000 for Tyson Fury. Did you see the uh, video that came out of Francis Nganu hitting the bags earlier this week? I did. I saw he was getting ripped a lot for it. Um, 
you know, I, I think that people got to realize he's not a boxer. Uh, that's not going to always look fantastic. Connor got made fun of this stuff too. Um, boxers are always going to make fun of MMA guys. It's a different sport. It's different. Uh, it, not a lot of MMA guys do just purely go train with boxers. Like, for example, one of the reasons probably uh, if you watched a guy like Dustin Poirier go and train, Dustin Poirier goes to a boxing gym on top of going to American Top Team. He works with a boxing coach, and that's probably why he's got some of the best boxing in the sport. Uh, a lot of guys don't do that, and they don't do the drills that boxers do. Um, and also, he's very big. He's very muscular, so he's not going to look as fluid. He's not going to look like Tyson Fury, who – moves really well for a big man. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I don't think we marvel enough at how good Tyson Fury is for the size that he is, how light he is on his feet, the versatility that he has. Um, but yeah, I think it reinforced a lot of people's thoughts is that he's got no shot. No, nah, I tend to agree with you. Diet Davis, of course, the boxing coach friend of the show that you're referring to. Let's stay where he is, where you are down in South Florida, because Jorge Masvidal has made his prediction for Leon versus Colby. And no surprise, Masvidal picked against Colby. We were talking about this off air. It depends on what the money is. You know what I mean? Like right now, it's pretty close to even. You can get Colby as a slight, I say very, very slight underdog. What if Colby's favored to win that night? Are you still going to feel okay putting money on him? Yeah, I would still feel okay. I think if you like Colby, I think you already have the reasons you like Colby. I you think know that- I love me some Colby. Yeah, I think just he's not uh, – his style's not going to change or his the reasoning why you would pick him I don't think should be dictated on the number because I don't think the number's going to get big one way or another. I think that if he does end up the favorite, it'll be slight. If it ends up pick him, something like that, I still think that that's an okay place for you to go. Uh, I don't think I'd pick him to finish. So if you want to go that night and you're going to pick Colby, you can pick Colby by points because I doubt very much that he is – gonna finish him or TKO him I would say most likely he'd probably win a decision so you'd probably get some better numbers at that but no man look Colby's good Colby's Colby's a good fighter Leon is really good too but um if you're gonna go wrestler for wrestler he's just a very different wrestler from the way Camaro Camaro's a little bit of gonna muscle you around he's gonna he's gonna you know hold you up against the cage he's gonna let you kind of get worn down and just feeling his weight Man, Colby is just exhausted. He's going to pick you up, put you down, pick you up, put you down, hit you with strikes while he's putting you down, then put you up. Like, it's just, I don't know how he does it. It really is a marvel, uh, the, the, the kind of gas tank that he has. And so um, if you believe in that, I understand betting uh, on Colby Covetson going into that night. Can you imagine Colby would be champ? Sean O'Malley would be champ. Sean Strickland would be champ. This was never the plan. For the UFC, Brendan Tobin, Sports Machine, Sean Levine, talking a little fighting. I missed this when we were talking boxing, so let's just jump back real quick. Tyson Fury and Usyk is now official in Saudi. By the way, Tyson Fury, the numbers announced, he's going to make around $200 million for those two fights. The fight against Usyk and, of course, the fight against Francis Ngannou. He's expected to bank around $200 million. Do you think Usyk is maybe the guy that can actually beat Tyson Fury? And we can finally unify these damn heavyweight titles. It's such an interesting question um, because he's so much smaller than him. I mean, you mind you, this guy was the cruiserweight undisputed champion of the world. Uh, so he's like 6'2". They might list him at 6'3". That's on a good day. They're doing some NBA height lying there. Um, How tall is Fury? He's huge. 
six nine. Six nine. Yeah, he's a yeah, he's a moose, Powerful. dude. Uh, the thing I'd say with uh, Usyk, Usyk is a slick boxer. He is really good. I just don't know if he's got the power to bother Fury, and I just think that that's a problem. Like we've seen, you know, unless you're like a real inside brawler, um, you want to fight a little dirty, maybe you could affect Usyk. You know, look, Tyson Fury's in his career been chinny and i'm not just referring to deontay wilder obviously deontay wilder's got the power of god but even like steve cunningham back in the day put him on uh who was coming up to heavyweight so you know tyson fury you can get to his chin it's just typically that was earlier in his career he's been pretty hard to get as of late and he's looked really really good i just think he he should rightfully be a pretty heavy favorite if i had to guess probably like minus 300 going into that night um and i don't know i i just I think that he's going to like, there's a big thing with Usyk that people don't believe in uh, that he can take body shots. And I think that that's something Tyson Fury is going to expose. He typically takes your biggest weakness and, uh, and turns it on you. That's how smart a fighter he is. Let's get back into the octagon. We've talked a little bit about UFC 295, obviously huge fight. Maybe the last fight, John Jones versus Stipe Miocic. The co-main event, Yuri Prohoshka steps back into the cage, takes on Alex Pereira. Pereira right now is the favorite at minus 150. I'm a little bit surprised. Yuri at plus 125. What's the bigger question, Mark? Is it Pereira, the fact that we've only seen him for a minute, or is it Yuri Prohashka, which we haven't seen now for a while? I think it's Yuri Prohashka's health because shoulder injuries are always a little bit squirrely, like how guys train, how comfortable are they throwing stuff. He is a very unorthodox, fluid fighter. Uh, you know, I think we see like a guy like Johnny Walker, right? who uh, is going to be fighting next week and, or in a couple weeks. And Johnny Walker had that bad shoulder injury, and it felt like it took him a while Long to, to come back. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if they were apples to apples on severity, but, you know, Yuri did it to a higher success level. But, again, John Johnny Walker, very fluid, likes his movement, likes to be unorthodox, and didn't feel like we really felt jo uh, Johnny Walker come all the way back maybe for a couple of years. So I am curious about that. Um, and that's a bigger question to me, but I still think that I believe in Yuri enough that I would still bet on him that night, just because I think that that guy looks like the truth has looked like the truth since he stepped in that weight class. We know he's got that dog in him the way that he won the belt. Um, and I thought that he was going to rain for a little bit, so I still favor him, but I definitely have questions about how healthy he is for sure. And as a as a better, sometimes if you think a fight is really even come fight night, just take the odds, right? So if we think that Colby or Leon can win that fight, all right, who comes in at plus 150? Same thing with Yuri Prohoshka versus Pereira. If I'm going to get plus money on one guy or the other, that's who I'm putting it on. Brendan Tobin, Sports Machine, Sean Levine. Before we wrap up this segment, we've got Bellator action this Saturday night. How about this one for the ladies? Kat Zingano? What? Kat Zingano versus Chris Cyborg. Cyborg, obviously, a huge favorite at minus 600. You're going to lay down the uh, the 600 bucks to win 100 on Cyborg? Uh, Your money, not mine. Do it. I don't think so, man. I mean, though, like, listen, Kat Zingano at one point, she TKO'd Amanda Nunes, you know? Well, I mean, we're talking 2014. I understand <laughs> yeah. it was 2014. It was 2014, and then she lost to Ronda Rousey in 14 seconds. But again, she TKO'd Amanda Nunes at one point. Um, you know, she's won four in a row. She's obviously been through a lot in her life uh, personally. That kind of took her on a 
uh, on a bit of a, 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 a tough journey in her MMA career. But her Bellator run's been been solid. And I don't know. You know what? What's the odds? Uh, right now, you can get Cyborg at minus 600. You can get Katz and Gondo at plus 370. Call it 4-1. Uh, You're taking nah. Cyborg's. Come on now. Nah, Come on now. Maybe. It, was, it wasn't out of the question. It wasn't out of the question. The main event, Usman Nurmagomedov, a minus 1,700 favorite right now at BetMGM. That's what happens when you have the name Usman and Nurmagomedov in your name. Your favorite to beat everybody on planet Earth. Coming up next, we talk more fighting. We appreciate you checking us out. It's Tapped Out. And Sean Levine on the BetQL Network. Hey, welcome back into the show known as Tapped Out. However, you're checking us out on YouTube, the Odyssey app, the BetQL Network. We love you. That's Brendan Tobin. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine. Let's welcome on friend of the show. He is Andrew Gombas. You can follow him at Bets and Picks MMA. BT and I have been going back and forth on this one. We got into it a little bit last week. We're going to see a rematch coming up at UFC 294 of Islam Makachev versus Charles Oliveira. Andrew, right now you can get Charles Oliveira at BetMGM at plus 260. Charles Oliveira at plus 260. I think the fight looks completely different than the first time, and I think Dubronx wins. What say you? Yeah, I bet Makachev the first fight. I think the line's about right now. I don't really know why they're doing this rematch. I feel like there's so many interesting fights for islam at 155 his only title defense being against a 145 pounder obviously that was a great fight 
And um, given the fact that Volk kind of has cleared out most of the division at 45, I know he's got a fight with Dupiria coming up um, on all likelihood at the end of this year, early next year. But I'd rather see that rematch than this one. I felt like the first fight was very decisive. And Oliveira did get a great win in between, but I would have I would have liked to seen him get one more just because there's so many good prospects. I shouldn't say prospects, so many good contenders at 155 right now. Nonetheless, I'll be watching. Obviously, super hyped fight the first time. You can never count Charles Oliveira out. He's always dangerous. He has a high floor given his finishing upside in every single fight, whether it be on the feet or on the mat. So I'm excited, looking forward to it. But yeah, I'm taking Islam again. Yeah, I mean, like, it was a very polite way for Andrew to tell you uh, to stop <laughs> fantasizing, Sean. We all saw okay. what happened, dude. I don't know why, like, the, it's weird how you, like, get in this Peter Pan land, Sean, where you're like, ah, yeah, but what happened? Hold he on, got choked out on, in 30 hold seconds. On, hold on, hold on. Let, me, let, me, let me back it up then with some evidence, all right? Look, I, the fight versus Volk that, that Andrew was talking about was great. Before that, you know who Islam beat, dude? Bobby Green, mm-hmm. Dan Hooker, Tiago Moises, and some Ooh. guy I've never heard of named Are they Ramos. fighting that night? No, but let me tell you in the same time period who Charles Oliveira beat. Have you heard of Benil Darius, Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler, and El Kakui back when he was El Kakui? What I'm telling you, dude, is the difference in experience level of these guys, who they've actually fought, is nothing close to each other. But maybe you and Andrew are right, and maybe we see cool. the same I, Maybe Oliveira goes out there and gets his ass kicked again. I, I, too, have used the internet, and I looked at something on, what is this, October 2022, UFC 280, Islam Makachev wins by uh, by arm triangle in round two. Well, that's crazy. I remember. You know? I remember. That's, but right. hey, listen, you you a man can dream. A man can dream there, dude. It's Thank be, you. Uh, what are you more into this week, Sean, for action? Are you, are you into Bellator at all, Bellator 300, or are you more into the UFC card this weekend? Like, is there anything, which one tickles your fancy more this weekend? I think he was asking you that, Andrew. Oh, okay. Um, I'm a UFC guy. I'll have I'll be betting Bellator. I'll be watching it, but I feel like a lot of these Bellator fights, like I have the odds up right here. The main event is um They're large, dude. My my like minus two thousand on Usman <laughs> Nurmagomedov versus Brent Freeman. It's like hard a boxing to get excited. Card. Yeah, it's it's hard to get excited about that for me. I mean, then you've got. Chris Cyborg, minus 700. Um, there will be some good fights, though. Uh, there's um, Grant Neal versus Romero Cotton should be a good one. Liam McCourt versus Sarah McMahon. Kai Kamaka versus Henry Corrales. But I would lean towards the UFC card in terms of what I'm more looking forward to. Obviously, main event, um, you've got a guy in Grant Dawson who hasn't lost in the UFC who is getting a lot of respect at the betting window, and I think rightfully so. He's a pretty solid favorite here. Um, but some more competitively lined fights on the card, like Ian Kudalaba versus Philip Linz. Kudalaba's never in a boring fight. Joe Pfeiffer versus Al Hassan has fireworks written all over it. Uh, Buckley Morono should be a fun one. So there's some there's some sneaky good fights on this card. Obviously, Drew Dober, fan favorite, is fighting Rick Glenn. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Bill Algio on the card versus Alex Hernandez. This is kind of a fun card up and down. You mentioned Grant Dawson. He trained in Kansas City for a long time, so I've had my eyes on him. Do you think at some point he's going to be fighting for the belt? Is he that good? Yeah, he's definitely a good fighter. I don't know about fighting for the belt. Not 
it has nothing to do with his skill set. It's just the fact that 155 is so loaded. Like you have a dominant champ in Islam Makachev. When I say dominant, I mean he hasn't lost in a very long time. He had a decisive win in his last fight, or excuse me, two fights ago over um, Oliveira, who he's fighting again. You have Gaethje, Poirier, um, Michael Chandler, and then you kind of have that next. I don't want to say next generation, but that next wave of contenders at 155, like Gamrat, Fazayev, Sarukian. So it's just a, it's just really hard to get to the top of that division. And he's a very good fighter, but it's just a shark's tank, and it's it's hard to say he's going to get there. Andrew, uh, bringing it back forward a couple of weeks to 294. What do you? What's your faith in Hamzat Shemaev as a heavy favorite? Because we haven't seen him at this weight class. I haven't really seen him in a while, so I don't really know what we're going to get from him. Paolo Costa is a, a bit of a wild card, too, because he's always weird on fight week. But uh, where are you leaning on that one, that uh, the co-main event? Yeah, I think 185 is going to do comms out well. I think he's going to have a lot of success there. And in this fight, I think it's a good stylistic matchup for him. I kind of... Obviously, Paulo Costa been a fun fighter when he actually does fight. He's been one of the more inactive fighters over the last five years or so. But I do think the public overrates him a little bit in terms of skill set. Like I said, fun fighter. He has power on the feet. But I don't think his grappling's that good. I think he can tire. Obviously, he's very heavily muscled. I, I think um, Chimaev's going to get it done there. I think he's going to grapple him. I think he'll probably submit him. Uh, but yeah, I'm just looking forward to seeing both of them back in the cage. To your point, it has been a while, and two guys who I just would really like to see be more active in the future. Andrew, I can't remember if we've caught up since O'Malley was the champion. We're talking with Andrew Gombas at Bets and Picks MMA here on Tapped Out. Now that O'Malley is the guy that has the strap, how long do you think he's the champion? That really depends on what his next matchup is. They're talking like it could be. Um, a familiar opponent for him in Cheeto Vera, which I think is a very winnable fight for him. Whereas if it's Marab, I think Marab's a harder stylistic matchup for O'Malley. So it's one of those situations where his next fight could be his last as the champ or depending on who he gets, it really just depends on styles. Cause I do think that there are some styles in there guys near the top, like, Vera, Sanhagen, who I think are better matchups for O'Malley than, say, a Marab um, or an Umar and a Magomedov. So it's going to be really interesting. That's probably the most exciting weight class right now. I always used to say 155 was the best weight class, but I feel like this is the first year, maybe last year, that there's another weight class that I would probably put at the top of the food chain, and that's Bantamweight, which is Sean O'Malley's division at the moment. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out. When we get to uh, John Jones versus Stipe, is there a number that you like Stipe at? Uh, do you already like him as as heavy a dog as he is? Just because this has been his weight class, he's been you know regarded sometimes as the heavyweight goat. I know John is John, but uh, is there a place or a number where you you would put your your stock in Stipe and you would bet on him? Yeah, there's always there, there's always a number, and I'm not sure if it's going to get there. I have to do a little bit more due diligence on the fight, but my gut tells me that John's going to win. I do think Stipe is probably a tougher stylistic matchup than Gon was, just because Stipe obviously comes from a wrestling background, and John got Steve, or excuse me, John got Gon down very quickly, 
and submitted him. Obviously, John Jones being the GOAT, he's the warranted favorite. I was very skeptical of his comeback after three years off, up a weight class, didn't look great on his way out the last time. But he did what he does. He he comes back, gets an early submission. Um, Stipe has kind of been on the sidelines for a long time now. His last fight coming, I, I want to say it was in March of 2021 off the top of my head. Uh, knockout loss to Francis Ngannou. He's not a spring chicken either. There's a lot of question marks going to that fight. My gut tells me that John gets it done, but Stipe is a guy that we learned to not count out in the past, and so I won't be counting him out this time. Andrew, after that fight, do you think both guys lay down the gloves and retire? I don't know. It's tough to say. I think if Stipe loses, he probably will. I think um, John, if he loses, they probably rematch. I also think that it kind of depends on John Jones's life situation. I mean, if he has a ton of money in the bank, he probably says, all right, time to go. But I don't know. It's, we, we can only speculate about his off-the-field life and if he really does have enough money to retire or if he wants to put another couple training camps in, he could probably make – few more million dollars so it's really hard to predict i think he came back for a reason and he spent a lot of time trying to fit the mold of what a heavyweight looks like he's put on weight been in the gym strength training so it's really difficult to say especially because you had those bigger matchups like the potential matchup of him versus Ngannou isn't there him versus gone already happened stipe is another big one but after that there really aren't many if any big names at heavyweight, no, no one really knows Tom Aspinall or Sergey Pavlovich yet. So maybe he does go out on a win. Maybe he wants to stick around. I'm, I'm not really leaning one way or another. I, I think the sport's better with him in it. But then again, he's been around for so long that if he wanted to hang it up, no one would have any argument against it, especially considering he's had a flawless career. I uh, got about 90 seconds, Andrew. The other big title fight got announced recently. No surprise. Uh, Leon versus Colby. Colby, a slight dog right now. Uh, what are your early leanings on that one? Yeah, my early lean is Colby. I do think that um, his style is problematic for most people, and I think it could be problematic for Leon as well. He's we know what you're you know what you're getting with Colby. He pushes a pace. He weaponizes cardio. He's a good wrestler. Um, yeah, so Leon definitely is the better striker, but he's going to be worried about the takedown. He's going to potentially be dragged into deep waters. It's a very intriguing fight. Obviously, you have the inactivity of Colby. It's been over a year and a half since his last fight. I'm very curious to see what he comes in here looking like. They have the common opponent in Usman, the recent common opponent in Usman. I do think Guzman's kind of nearing the end, um, potentially injured going into that last fight. I'm not trying to take anything away from Leon, but I don't think it's a simple equation of Leon beat Usman, Usman beat Colby, so Leon beats Colby. I think it's a very competitive fight, but I'm leaning Colby at the moment. Um, I like backing guys that are going to attempt a lot of takedowns, that have cardio to go five rounds, that are going to weaponize pace and really – non-stop go after their opponents especially when their opponent like leon is a is primarily a striker obviously he's a capable grappler too or else he wouldn't be in the position he's in but i do think colby has some serious advantages here and yeah my early lean is that he gets it done 
I'm with you there, my guy. My early lean is also Colby. My only concern is what are the odds going to look like? If everybody bets Colby the way you and I are thinking and he goes off as a favorite, then maybe I'll take the champion as an underdog. But we'll have to see what the odds look like at BetMGM that night. Before that, we'll get you back on. He's Andrew Gombas at Bets and Picks MMA. Thanks so much, man. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Have a great night. You got it. Sweet. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. into the cage with Brendan Tobin in Are You Gonna Fight Me? I'm gonna fight your ass! Here on Tapped Out. That's right, fight me like a man! Only on the BetQL Network. You know the rules. I want a good, clean fight. When I tell you to break, I want you to step back out my command and break. Now go back to the corner and come out fighting at the bell. All right, welcome back into Tapped Out here on the BetQL Network, YouTube, on the Odyssey app. That's Brendan Tobin. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine. And since we can't seem to get along, let's get it on. You know, the segment's called You're Gonna Fight Me. Now that some time has passed, BT, I'm more surprised that Sean Strickland has the belt than Sean O'Malley. Of the Seans that have the strap, now that it's been a couple of months, I can't believe Sean Strickland's a champion. You're gonna fight me? No, I'm not gonna fight you. I, I, that's it's crazy. It's crazy. Oh, I, I think it's even just crazier the way that it happened. You know, he knocked him down in the first round and, uh, just from there on out, Izzy really just never had an answer. We've never really seen him in that type of fight before. I mean, we've seen him lose. We've seen him lose to Jan Blahovic, getting laid on basically the entire fight. 
we saw him obviously get knocked out late, uh, but a fight that he was pretty much dominating the whole way. So to see him uh, get put on the ground like that and then just never really have a response for it was uh, was really crazy. Um, but you got to give Sean all the credit in the world. Like, I think the thing that's interesting about it is Sean Strickland won a Sean Strickland fight. It's not like he did anything that we've never seen from him before. I think it's just, it's almost more shocking on who he did it to because you never thought he'd be able to do it to a guy who we were probably regarding as, you know, best striker in the last probably half decade in the UFC. Now what people really want to know is, were you there in person when Pereira knocked out Adesanya? Bro, I was. He was. Oh, and you know what's okay. actually funny? It's kind of crazy because uh, I see all this stuff about uh, Izzy with uh, getting a DUI, I guess, before the fight actually happened. And I I got to tell you, I've never seen anybody. I don't know how, but he was hammered getting to that podium. And it wasn't that much time that passed. So that dude got after it. Um, so pretty wild. But, you know, you hope everything's okay with them and that everything, uh, you know, we see sometimes these guys can uh, can cut pretty loose as they get out of the cage. And, you know, maybe he thought that it was one of these things where he was going to beat Sean Strickland easily and didn't think he had to train that hard, pull a John Jones, if you will. And uh, maybe it caught up with him. I don't know. All right. Well, speaking of Izzy and that DUI, obviously tough times for that guy. Inside the octagon, you're going to fight me if I say the prime of Israel Adesanya is over. Yeah, I'm going to fight you on that. I don't think it's it's necessarily over. I think that was a tough style for him uh, on that night. Uh, could he figure it out again? I could see him figuring it out again. You know, he did. Ju- he just did this against Alex Pajeda, and that was a guy that he had lost to a few times. Um, but I, I think it's too early to say that the prime of him is over. I think, first of all, I mean, he's taken out most of that division, so there's not many guys in that division. If they do get the belt from Sean Strickland, you can't tell me that he's not going to go out there and smoke. Uh, but if Sean Strickland holds the belt for a little bit, it could be a challenge for him. Earlier this week, Dana was talking about a, quote, shock, unquote, return at UFC 300. I'm pretty sure I started this rumor, but at this point, you're going to fight me if I say I expect that to be Ronda Rousey. Yeah, I'm going to fight you. I just, I know it's been pretty crazy. I do think that you did start that because I, all the momentum basically heard from this was after you brought that up on the show. Damn I don't know right. where you heard that. I don't know where you saw it, but uh, I don't know, man. I just have this feeling like Ronda doesn't have unless like Ronda's hurting financially or something like that and just wants to cash out one last time you know she just had you know some kids I don't know I just I would find that very surprising that she would be the shock return you were talking last show about old timers day right and it does kind of feel like that they're talking about well maybe we can bring Ronda and maybe you know we'll get this guy or this gal Ronda Rousey in the octagon you're gonna fight me if I say Old-timers day is the way to go. Conor McGregor is still the biggest possible draw they could have at UFC 300. No, I I, I don't like that idea at all. Like, we talk about this all the time on this show. Like, when a guy's when – when it looks like it's done, it's done. Like, how many times do we do on the show? Hey, is that the end for Tony Ferguson? Is this the end for Robbie Lawler? Is this Then the give me a bigger stuff? name. What, what, what would draw sad. more eyeballs and more money to UFC 300? Bro, did you see the ending Conor of McGregor? BJ Penn? Did you get to see the ending of BJ Penn? That guy's a legend. Yeah, no, and I, it was I, sad. I Anderson remember. Silva. It got sad. Like, 
I remember. When it's gone. It's gone. You don't. You, you think you want it until you don't. See the difference between those guys: BJ Penn, Donald Cerrone, Tony Ferguson, all Hall of Famers. Conor McGregor is the biggest draw in the history of mixed martial arts. I think if he's 85 years old with the cane and you walk him out there with a ventilator, you're still going to get some pretty good pay-per-view buys. I'm telling you, and producer Jake agrees, I think the biggest fight you can make, and this isn't me hoping I'm right. This is me knowing that I'm right. Conor McGregor versus Michael Chandler is probably the biggest fight you could possibly make. Give me a bigger one. Right now in the UFC, a bigger fight than that? Yeah, you got a few months, UFC 300, so you can give me any two names you can come up with that could actually fight each other. I think it has to involve Conor McGregor. I mean, it's tough. Yeah, obviously Conor's going to be the biggest draw, but, like, is it the best fight? Like, not even close. It's not close. like two of these guys. I mean, Conor we haven't seen look good in a while, and Michael Chandler's been a fun addition to the roster, but he hasn't been close to the best UFC lightweight. Now he's going up a weight class to fight Conor. Like, the one thing I'm disappointed with Izzy losing, I really wanted to see Izzy versus Hamzat. I feel like that would have been a really great main yeah, event. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know who the dance partner is for Sean O'Malley to really do that right now. Right. So, you know, I mean. Look where we found ourselves. Yeah, I mean, I get you. But, and then John, John versus who? I guess John versus Pavlovich. Pavlovich does something crazy. That's probably like the best. That's probably the best one I could give you right now. Like, if you told me what would really intrigue you, but it's, I get it. Pavlovich isn't really as known yet, but that would be, that'd be a pretty crazy main event. Honestly, the best thing they could pot, the best thing could possibly happen, I would think somehow Nate Diaz resigns, right? The, the fight with Jake Paul is over with. He's talking about coming back to the UFC. It's been, what, a year and change now that he's been off. He comes back, and then they have Connor fight Nate at UFC 300. And I know you're just going to say it's old-timers day and all that stuff, but that that to me is probably the biggest potential fight that they could make. But we move on here on You're Going to Fight Me. I rewatched Volk versus Ortega the other night. You're going to fight me if I say Ortega's the closest guy that I've ever seen to finishing Volkanovski. He was damn close. Uh, he was very close. I mean, in a moment, probably. I mean, there, there's. I feel. I still think Max Holloway got the edge on one of his fights, so I would say that's the closest I've seen him lose or come to losing. But uh, look, it was it was crazy. I don't know how Volkanovski got out of that. Um, it was. Uh, he he he's incredible. I think one of the things that's honestly one of the best things about Alexander Volkanovski is not just his talent, but. His championship will. I mean, that guy, when it looks bleak, even when you go back to the ism fight, whether you thought he won, whether you thought he lost, at the end of that thing, he's on top. Usually by the end of these fights, even with the Holloway fights, usually by the end, he's getting the best of his opponent. And I think that's the thing you most marvel at when it comes to Alexander Volkanovsky. The blessed is best. And you mentioned Max Holloway there a couple of times. I was checking out. Dude, he's currently the number 12 pound-for-pound ranked fighter in the world. You're going to fight me if I say, I think he fights Volkanovski one more time. I kind of hope so. Um, me too. I just think I just think he deserves it. He's so damn good. It sucks for Volk that nobody's really stepped up in his place. The Arnold Allens of the world who can't get to him. Uh, Ilya Taporia. It's kind of crazy. We're talking about UFC 300. None of us have mentioned Volk. Um, you know, but I don't know. I mean, him versus Islam, I suppose, UFC 300. That could be a main event. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just think that 
I don't know who else has really stepped up that deserves it. It probably will be Taporia, but yeah, I think Max, there shouldn't be, I, I just think Max is just such a special case of he should get another shot. Most of the competition has been pretty close. Uh, I'd like to see where another one goes with that one, but I can get why both doesn't. Well, of course he's, he's in theory, not in theory. And according to the record, he's won the fight three separate times. Why would he do it a fourth? Fans like you and I, we, now we're at the point where we're like, you know what? I think I kind of like to see it. And from Max's perspective, how the narrative would completely change if somehow he was able to take him out the fourth time. Then we look at Max and go, oh, damn, did he have a career as good as Alexander Volkanovsky? But who knows if we ever see the fight again. You mentioned Arnold Allen. There was a fight announced earlier today. He's going to be in the octagon with Eve. How do I say that guy's last name? Uh, Eva Love. All right, thank you. Appreciate it. You, you should be. You should take over for Vanna White once that whole run is over with. Um. All right, you're gonna fight me here. Let's talk a little football. Spinning, we got a couple of minutes left. Getting the letters. The, yeah, you know we wouldn't like that job. What does that have to do with saying words? Oh, I don't know. You don't think she's good at pronouncing after turning that many letters over the years? She doesn't pronounce them. She'd be damn good if she did. Anyway, Eagles and Niners. The last Pates, two undefeated teams. Well, Sajak's going to retire pretty soon. Um, Eagles and Niners, the last two undefeated teams. You're going to fight me if I say that's your NFC championship game for sure. Probably. Probably. Um, I don't think you can count the Cowboys out yet. Um, even with their embarrassing loss to the uh, to the Cardinals, I still think that defense is damn good. So I still think they play each other actually this week. I got to tell you, the Lions, man, the Lions are looking pretty damn impressive. So I wouldn't rule them out. Uh, I think the 49ers look way more overwhelming than the Eagles. Like if I were to, if you were to tell me like only one of those teams is going to make it, I don't know who is beating the 49ers. They look like a monster. It looks like everybody who they face, they steamroll over and they're playing a different game. Right now, bet MGM, they're the co-favorites to win the Super Bowl. So your opinion is shared by many, including the odds makers. They're like five and a half to one to win it. Same thing with the Chiefs, followed by Philly. The Cowboys and the 49ers go at it this weekend. So we'll get a chance to see who's better, at least right now. The Dolphins, man, got smoked by the Buffalo Don't Bills. Me. Is it still a smart bet? You're going to fight me if I say I have completely changed course and I'm back to Buffalo winning the division. Well, that just makes you a coward, but uh, I understand why. <laughs> it was it was a hell of a showing. I think a lot of people were throwing dirt on the Bills early. Uh, you would know it because Jim Nance and Tony Romo basically sent the entire broadcast lecturing everybody. It was very annoying. Um, very. You know, but no, I think that uh, the biggest concern with the Dolphins right now is their defense. I mean, their defense stinks. They've uh, been gutted by a any good team they've faced has – uh, put up a lot of yards on them. They're fortunate that they have a team that can put up a lot of yards, but it's not a great recipe for success in the playoffs. Uh, people think that they have the talent, but they got to put it all together. So I I got to give the respect to the Bills right now because they've dominated that matchup over the last four years. Um, and last year it was a close. Those games were close. This one was not close. It was uh, it was an ass kicking. Thanks, Jim. Says Tony Romo. A hundred oh, times so a broadcast. Thanks, thanks, Jim. And the worst part is, man, I've been on this for years. I can't believe anybody ever thought that guy was good while I'm here on my high, high horse. Um, it's He starts stories and then just stops. He doesn't finish it. He'll be like, 
you know, that play will remind me of Jim. And then there's nothing. I don't, I, I don't, I don't get it. Um, rough week for Miami, by the way. You're gonna fight me if I say they screwed up the Damian Lillard thing, or is that somebody else's fault? No, I mean they definitely deserve Pat Riley deserves some blame on that for sure. I can't, I can't deny that. Um, it has been a rough week, uh, you know. Other than Jimmy Butler's fantastic hair at media day, uh, plus the Marlins lost game one of their wild dude, card. So, dude, did you have any idea that hair was coming? That's the wildest thing I've ever seen. I didn't. I, I'm not surprised because I'll tell you, like, last year in the locker room, Jimmy was really pissed at ESPN. Like, he's like, I'm not giving ESPN any interviews because they wouldn't use his media day headshot. That's supposed to be the rules. And they were using his NBA 2K headshot instead. And so he was <laughs> refusing to give them interviews. And so I kind of knew – I kind of was – I wasn't very surprised that he brought something to top himself this year. He's not going to play with that hair, right? That's not his. No, not it's already. It's there. already. He, okay. No, it's he's gone. already braided it for camp. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he just simply. He just me. simply wants it for the headshot and the and the media guide. That's a great head of hair. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine, and I'm bald. And you're listening to us on the BetQL Network. We're back with more Tapped Out with Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine on the BetQL Network. Tap, tap, tapping out here on the BetQL Network. We appreciate you checking us out. YouTube, Odyssey, however you got us. That's Brendan. I'm the sports machine. Let's make some money. Saturday night, we've got action in the octagon. Grant Dawson, heavy favorite, minus 450 BT 
against Bobby Green at plus 325. You talked about this last week. Bobby Green's just one of those guys, if you're an odds maker, whether he's a favorite or an underdog, it's tough to put a number on him. Bobby Green at plus 325 look good enough for you? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, look, Bobby's coming off a win. It was against Tony Ferguson, so, you know, take that for what it's worth. But, I mean, the guy has been in there with a lot of dogs, uh, tough guys, not underdogs. He's been in there with some uh, some really tough competition, and I do think that Grant's kind of getting this step up against him. But, yeah, I think that, that intrigues me. I mean, like, Bobby Green going out there and uh, and getting a victory, I think there's some value in that for sure. Appreciate you clearing up that you meant uh, dogs, not underdogs or actual canines. Wanted to be clear. Wanted to be clear. Yep, thanks. Yep, appreciate you. Uh, Drew Dober, another big favorite, minus 450. Same odds as Grant Dawson versus Ricky Glenn at plus 340. Can I talk you into Ricky Glenn underdog money against the finest jaw to ever fight, Drew Dober? When you say finest jaw, you just mean jawline, right? Like just... <laughs> It's like, is that your, you're just in, Oh, we got a funny man. We got, I'm just wondering. I mean. His, his jawline is perfect. He is. He's a handsome man. Drew Dober. Drew Dober's a, a good looking fella for sure. Um, yeah, I am. Uh, nah, I think I'd go Drew Dober. I think I'd go Drew Dober getting a KO. It's a little bit more of a tolerable number. You know, it's like minus like 150 on that night. So I think that's just a little bit more bearable. But I do think that uh, Dover and his beautiful chin will find uh, Glenn's chin and, uh, and get this victory. I was looking at that knockout number for Dover also. I don't know if minus 150 is enough for me. Maybe I'll try to uh, land the round. Let's call it Drew Dover in the second. Bill Algio, the favorite against Alex Hernandez at plus 115. Some guys just rub you the wrong way the first time you see them. What do they say about first impressions, right? Like, it's tough. I remember the first time that I really saw, found out about Alex Hernandez was against Cowboy Cerrone, and I got behind him that night, and I put a bunch of money on him because he was talking smack, and I felt good. And I think that was the last time Donald Cerrone won a fight. Is that right? And I'm, I'm not. I'm kind of joking, but I'm kind of not. I think that Alex Hernandez maybe is his last win. Maybe producer uh, Jake can get on that. Either way. Well, I got it. I can hit that wiki real quick for you on Donald Cerrone and his last victory. His last victory was against Al Iaquinta in 2019, but the win before that was Alexander Hernandez. So that little run ski okay. that he had beating Mike Perry. I think he had just become a dad. Remember Dad Cerrone? Like that was the thing. Yeah, I do. So I love that. Uh, yes, that's, that's, uh, that's what you're looking back to. But, yes, Alexander Hernandez was talking a lot of smack in that time being, and he's basically been a 500 fighter since. So does he win on Saturday night against Bill Algio? Do you take the underdog, Alex Hernandez, at plus 115? I think I will. Uh, yeah, I think as a dog, I think I think that's okay. He's coming off a win over Jim Miller uh, in February. So been, uh, been pretty active. You have uh, Algio who's coming off a win against TJ Brown in April. Um I still think I'll go with Hernandez to get the one, the victory. Joaquin Buckley looked great. He looked so good that he just ripped his shirt right off at the press conference. Minus 175 favorite against Alex Morono at plus 145. I think I'm taking that chiseled six-pack of Joaquin Buckley. I'll pay minus 175. 
I, the thing that you love about Joaquin Buckley is like the guy is it's one of those, you know, you talk about some of the all time highlights, right? Like everybody, you always have to see the, the, uh, the kick off the cage from showtime. Cause like, you know, when you go to a UFC show, they play the awesome, uh, they play the, the Bob O'Reilly, the, uh, the, the montage. If anybody's, it's like one of the coolest things right before a main card starts. Like they, they play, they play the who, and it's like a just on point montage of like the greatest finishes in UFC history. And Joaquin Buckley's up there with one of the greatest. So it's tough to not always like think about when you watch a Joaquin Buckley fight, am I going to see something incredible? Am I going to see something really, really cool? And so that always makes me root for him, no matter when, when he steps in the cage, because he's got one of the all-time finishes. Do you know what fight, what highlight currently finishes that montage you're talking about? Because I just watched it. I don't. Michael Chandler kicking Tony Ferguson straight in the face. That's how they run oh, that thing off. But you're right. The production of that is just so damn good. Um, but you like it's it, 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 it's like it's Goosey's galore. Like as soon as oh, that, you great. get chilled. So you're just running it's through li- all live beat in the house. I mean, you're watching the prelims and the lights go down. The main cards coming up. They put that little five minute little video clip on. It's great. Um, Eon Kute Lava versus Felipe Lenz right now. Ma plus one twenty five. You can get. The favorite Kute Laba at minus one fifty. Again, I think I'm going to pay for that on Saturday night. Yeah, but you know what? I don't like Kute Laba going clean shaven. You know, I thought he looked I, great. I don't know about that. Full head of you? hair, clean I shaven. I don't know, dude. I like my. I like Kute Laba looking like uh, going out there. He he goes. He's got the whole look going out there. I I, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm digging this whole look from him. Uh, Lenz has been on a bit of a run. I think I'm going to go with him getting the win over Kutalaba clean shaven. You won't bet on a man that's clean shaven, but you'll bet on a man that's painted his entire body green. All right. A little weird, but fine. Oh, we're not too far away from UFC 294. Before we wrap things up, Islam versus Oliver. We've talked plenty about that. Haven't spent a lot of time on Hamzat versus Paolo Costa. I think the interesting question is, what Hamzat do we get? Like, how surprised are you going to be if Hamzat comes in there, ragdolls him, it's done and won, versus this thing takes a while? Because if you ask me, I think Hamzat wins. Probably takes him a few rounds, though. Give me Chimaev in the third. Uh, I, I, that's what I'm ho- – honestly, dude, I'm hoping he comes in there and he ragdolls Paolo Costa. And that's nothing against Paolo Costa, but, you know – as you sit here and we talked earlier, you know, we talked earlier in the show about what's UFC 300 going to be. I think that Hamzat has a chance to put himself at least to be on that card if he can go do something spectacular. I think the UFC say was what you like want to say. This- say what you want to say. You want to say that he's got a chance to fight in the pay per view if he looks great, right? Or I'm sorry, well, in the main not- event. Well, I know. I think that I think if he wins, even if he wins, I think that there'll definitely be a buzz for him to fight. But I think that the thing that's been disappointing with Hamzat is that he had this rocket start to his career and then like had this weirdness happen. I know that, you know, he dealt with a bad case of COVID and nearly stepped away, but I'm talking about even when he's been back, you know, Gilbert Burns gave him all he could handle, you know, then missing weight. Like I, I think that I'd like to see Hamzat just get back to just the mauler that he is and get everybody excited to see, hey, can this guy be champion again? Because he felt like the boogeyman. He felt like a guy that was inevitable. And I think for right now, there's just a lot of mystery around him. And so I would be just very excited as a fan, 
you know, just to see him go out there and and dominate Paolo and have a monster performance and call somebody out and do something crazy. I think that's one of the best things that could happen for the sport as a fan is is Hamzat Shemaev and, and getting on a little bit of a title run here. I agree with you, and I'll take it one step further before we wrap things up for today's show. I think that's best-case scenario for the UFC for 300, which is still a handful of months away, is Hamzat goes out there, beats up Paolo Costa. I mean, ragdolls him, gets the fans back behind him. Maybe Israel Adesanya gets the rematch against Sean Strickland. Izzy gets his belt back. And then that's probably your main event, right? You give you give Hamzad a chance to fight for the belt against Israel Adesanya at UFC 300? Not too bad. No, that'd be an amazing fight. I mean, look, even if Sean Strickland does, even if Sean Strickland does keep the belt, um, I think that'd be a fun build. I don't know if that's enough to to main event three hundred, but it's certainly enough to main event a pay per view that I'd be interested in. I think it's a fun matchup, and I gotta tell you, I don't know who wins that fight. That's a tough. It's a tough call because you know I think Hamzat. There's always questions about like how long it lasts. You know, Sean Strickland has cardio for days. I think it's a fun matchup. But I think that there's a lot – I think that you could come out of that fight because, look, we talked about this main uh, this main event. You think that Charlie Olive's getting disrespected. I get you. I'm not going to argue with you here. But it's still a fight we've pretty recently seen. Like Andrew said earlier in the show, it, it's going to take a little bit for me to get as excited for that as I am for the co-main event, mostly because of the return of Hamzat. So I think that – Islam really can't do anything in this fight that gets him a lot of buzz because what are you going to do? He did already. Oliveira in in 10 seconds? Like, I don't know what he could do. Uh, Oliveira getting the belt back would be huge. That'd be cool. That'd be a cool story. But I think Hamzat going out and getting a win the way that he does, that would get everybody crazy. Um, And I don't mean to over – I'm not like – I'm not trying to overlook Paolo Costa. It's just like we've kind of been in the Paolo Costa well. I kind of think we know – what his ceiling is. I don't, I don't think that guy's going to be champion, even though, you know, more, we're getting more surprises at champion than we probably ever have in the history of the sport. But Hamzat's, I think it's Hamzat's show if he wants it. Same exact odds that night for what it's worth at UFC 294, the main and the co-main before we wrap up, which plus 260 underdog is more likely to pull off the upset Oliveira over Islam or Costa over Jamayev. Wow. Um, you know it's Oliveira. You know it's Charles Oliveira, man. More submissions than anybody in the history of the UFC. Surefire Hall of Famer. Took out Daryush and Gaethje and Poirier and Chandler and Kakui. You know the answer. Yeah, but he's. I've already seen this fight. Like, I, can't I just think it's one, a hard. I can't wait for this fight. I don't understand what, like, what, like, why. I, I know you love Charles Oliveira. God love, love you. Him. You didn't even care what. When he lost the belts on the scale, you sat there, you yeah. defended him. Even What's though a half a pound himself, between friends? Even though he disgraced himself as champion and lost his belt, you stood by him. God, lo- you, I think there's only one person you love in sports more than Charlie Olives, and that's Patrick Mahomes. Other than that, I think it's Charlie Olives. I think you love him more than anybody, and that's great. That being said, Paolo Costa more likely to win at 260, plus 260. Oh, Patrick Mahomes would beat up all these guys. It's not even close. However you want it. Done in one. How, so are we. How sick are you of all the Taylor Swift stuff? Dude, enough. I can't even talk about it. I'm done. Literally. <laughs> I, got not, I, will not, I will not speak about it with you. That's Brendan. Ugh, I almost vomited in my mouth. That's Brendan Tobin. We're the Super Bowl champions. Who gives a damn? <sighs> That's Brendan Tobin. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine. For Jake Noaker, that's tapped out. We'll catch you next week right here.